Ladies and gentlemen, this show is brought to you exclusively by the Reality Check Podcast Network. Fascinated by the world of strange, or perhaps like to gather in those dimly lit corners and converse with those individuals who may not walk to the beat of this world's drum, then step across the threshold that leads to the room under the stairs. Hey everybody, this is Stan Wangland, and I think you know who I am. I'm one of the co-hosts of the people under the darn stairs. You know, I hope it's one of your favorite shows. We, 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 I think we're doing pretty good with our viewers and people liking the show. So I think we have a great one for you today. And I will be joined by your favorite host. I mean, this guy is, he's a lovable guy. But tonight, we're going to see a different side of him, because the show we're going to be doing tonight is uh, something I was discussing with Paul, and I said, you know, we ought to do a show on the murderers among us, because uh, there are murderers among us, and uh, it's a show on serial killers. We don't hear too much about serial killers anymore. You have mass shootings and things like that, but, you know, real serial killers, the people kind of hunt you down and grab you and do dreadful things to you. You know, there's uh, quite a bit of those um, characters still out there floating around. And maybe you haven't been thinking about it lately because of the coronavirus and a lot of other things. But Paul and I are here to shake you up a little bit. Am I right, Paul? Well, we'll see how it goes, brother. <laughs> okay. Paul, you, Paul sounded like he was a serial killer right there. Oh, man, I'll tell you. Well, Halloween night, Halloween night, 1982. Yeah. I uh, murdered seven people. They caught me and put me in an institution. <laughs> 40, <laughs> 40 years later, I broke out and done it again. And uh, now when the, new, the next Halloween movie comes out with Michael Myers on, uh, you know, this Halloween. Uh, we'll see what I did next. <laughs> I've got gotcha. you. I've got gotcha. you. 
Hey, have, do you have any idea uh, in 2020, do you have any idea, uh, you know, in terms of how many active serial killers there are? I do not. The last one I heard about was uh, somebody where they were uh, found uh, some bodies like, the, you know, on a, on a beach here, there and everywhere in New York State. Mm-hmm. It turned yeah. out to be actually a serial killing, but I don't I don't know if they caught the guy or not. I mean, this goes back a ways, but that's the last one that I've heard about. Well, I'll tell you, I thought I knew a lot about serial killers. You know, I you know, I, I won't say like a like I'm an expert on serial killers, but it's it's always interested me. You know, the mind of serial killers, and I knew there were quite a number of them, and I knew that that with the amount of people that they claim to have killed. And the amount that they actually killed is is huge. And I was wondering, I said, you know, we really haven't heard anything about serial killers. Uh, how many of the murderers amongst us, and they are amongst us, how many does the FBI think that there are right now in 2020? And the closest that I came was from an article from Newsweek that um, had a new report from the New Yorker magazine that estimated, hold on to your socks, folks that there are an estimated 2,000 serial killers currently at large in the United States. And wow. uh, the expert on this, uh, if you really want to get stuff on serial killers, the guy who knows everything on this is um, is an archivist and researcher and an author, Thomas Hargrove. And uh, he's got a lot of stuff out there on serial killers and, and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. But it will scare the living bejesus out of you. Uh, even the point of the um, uh, even the point of the definition of a serial killer, and the FBI uh, describes that as a serial killer is typically a person who murders three or more people, with the murders taking place over more than a one month period. And to be a serial killer, you have to you have to have this significant period of time in between them. You know, so uh, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. As a matter of fact, I made a mistake. Uh, the FBI defines serial killing as a series of two or more murders, and they have to be separate events, but uh, not always, but usually by one offender acting alone. Even though there are some some serial killers, uh, you know, like the um, serial the uh, Richard Ramirez and his cousin, um, uh, the the guys out in California. I forget what they were called. I'll find their name somewhere on the show here. They were killing people posing as uh, police officers and shagging women and then killing them and torturing them and all those kinds of things. But uh, that seems to be the numbers that people have, 2,000. And some states have a lot more serial killers or victims for their population than others. And that's pretty nuts when you look at some of those things. Like... South Dakota has a population of 903,000 people and seven serial killer victims. So that's mm. that's kind of a lot. That's almost one serial killer for every 100,000 people. Not good. No. No. No is right. What is it what do you what do you think that the the main you know what are your impressions of serial killers Paul I mean you're a guy who likes to get into the bizarre and and all those kinds of things what what are things that you know things that you know or you've heard about serial killers Well they've never been my uh 
my thing to get into the, the serial mm-hmm. killers. I know some people are very interested in them. I mean, there, there's some that uh, I know about more than others, but uh, I, you know, we were talking about this the other day, you know, that certainly there are people that uh, usually they're almost like emotionless or sociopathic, you know, they will torture the small animals or, you know, dogs, cats, or even insects. And mm-hmm. then uh, it, it kind of from there is graduates into people, you know, there's the act mm-hmm. of violence, the act of torture, the act of killing. And when you say that there's uh, 2000 or more, you know, in this day and age since 2000, you know, it, it doesn't really surprise me because people are so much more detached than they used to be from one another in society. And mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you've seen it. I mean, your, your wife used to put some of these videos up because she was very much against people that would abuse animals and you would see, oh, yes. you know, some of these, I mean, they were, teenage you know kids cutting the ears off of dogs you know beating Mm -hmm. uh, a cat to death with sticks Mm -hmm. and laughing about it so when when you see something like that how again detached people are today it's almost like everything is playing a video game you know you can kill something you can torture something and Mm -hmm. it just has no emotional impact whatsoever Uh, i'm not surprised that there would be that many or even more because mm-hmm. people are just, you know, a lot of people are just completely, uh, they, they have no compassion, no emotion, uh, you know, to anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, for, for those of you who are joining the show for, for the first time, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I have to relate the fact that I'm a psychologist and, and for many years I worked in, um, in, you know, with developmentally disabled people for the majority of my career, but that wasn't what I went into psychology for. Actually, I went to psychology as a clinical psychologist. So when I started first working in psychology, I worked at Brooklyn State Hospital where people were, you know, um, involuntarily uh, primarily put in the hospital. And and I didn't meet many, uh, you know, murderers or people who were, you know, violent in terms of serial killing. But after that, I worked in the corrections, um, you know, area for Division for Youth and came across uh, lots of people who had murdered other people who had been, you know, very severely uh, abused themselves or very, uh, very emotionally and mentally uh, ill, sociopathic. Uh, I also worked at a place in Georgia called the Children Adolescent Program, and, and it was strictly for, for kids who had mental illness. And we would get a, a, a sizable portion of kids coming in with uh, sociopathic and violent tendencies where they were really uh, dangerous towards others. But the point uh, that precedes all of this is when I was in graduate school, one of the things that we uh, really had to study was the different personality makeups and different personality features and behavioral features and tendencies that people would have with all kinds of, you know, emotional and mental illnesses and things like that. And the one thing that always came out is what you touched, Paul, with with people who were very dangerous, people who could be sociopathic, people who could be, you know, dangerous killers and murderers was cruelty to animals. And cruelty to animals was cruelty, uh, you know, to animals that had, you know, that that were living and breathing and had blood and fur on them. Things traditionally that people kept as pets, Mm -hmm. you know, 
And uh, we were, it was part of the classic training, uh, you know, to, that would be one of the questions you would always ask, one of the things that you would look at. Uh, there were others, you know, different things that, that clinicians by the, the droves would, uh, you know, find out in their, you know, in their working with people who were severely disturbed. But that was the chief one. And I have to tell you, what a pearl of wisdom. Because particularly when I when I was um, when I worked in Georgia, I've, I've told the story on other shows. But I worked on a very famous murder. They're called the Canal Murders, uh, with kids where they took a, another young, three young people took a, another, little bit older person than them, under the uh, bridge from the canal, and they shot him to death for no particular reason. And uh, I can never forget interviewing the person, and I said, well, "What was you know? What were you thinking? What were you feeling?" when you, you shot and killed this, this other kid for no particular reason. And it was the, the girl uh, that I was interviewing at this point of the three of them. And she just said, um, she says, I, I didn't think, really think too much of anything. She says, I kind of laughed because it sounded like a, a pop gun in a cartoon. And there was a complete lack of empathy and uh, feeling about people. They just went out and killed somebody mm. for no particular reason. Now, I would. I also had an opportunity to work. This is in Georgia again. Work with several kids who had been severely abused in a very poor setting, and I can remember one boy who had, uh, you know, cut the fingers off of uh, his mother's lover with a hatchet, and then he was only thirteen or fourteen. He was he was an African American kid. I'll never forget it, and he strangled the guy to death. And his best friend was another guy whose father was in the military and got booted out. They all lived in a trailer park. And he used to go around the neighborhood strangling big German shepherd dogs. Mm. And this good. kid, would, yeah, and this kid was in there because he would break into, um, he would break into uh, the, the trailers and then he would uh, beat up old people severely. And he beat one old woman to death. And uh, killed her. And uh, again, he had the history of uh, strangling the um, the big German shepherds. Now, this was precipitated with him as a kid because his father, like I said, was in the military and his father was discharged. Now, this is going back all the way in the 1970s for being a homosexual. And uh, he was furious at his father for being a homosexual. And then the father would bring his lovers to the trailer park and they would abuse him and whatever the hell all the other dynamics were. He became a, a, a killer with this kind of thing. But he started uh, what, you know, doing, as you said, Paul, killing, uh, you know, animals. And then he moved on to people, you know. Now, have you in your travels, Paul, ever, ever met anybody that you, that was a serial killer or, or not? I shouldn't say a serial killer, but uh, I'm sure you haven't. But uh, who? who who had thought of murdering somebody or was a murderer or was in jail or any such thing like that, or a violent person who would be cruel to animals or things like that? Well, I've, I've known people that, that were uh, kind of violent with animals that would, you know, kick them or hit them. And, you know, yeah. as they got, as they got older, of course, I didn't associate with such people after a while. And, you know, you hear, through the grapevine as you get older, you know, out of your teens and twenties that, you know, of course they're, they're abusive. They, they beat their kids, they beat their wife. But uh, the, the closest thing that, that I ever came to, uh, which is an interesting story. This was back in probably around the 
the mid latter 80s there was uh, i lived in a place called middletown new york and there was mm-hmm. a murder uh at the middletown high school and i guess you know and and there there were some other stabbings you know that particular summer i don't remember the whole thing and they were wondering if they were related if somebody was uh you know a serial killer or you know gang related somehow because there there were some gangs popping up but somebody murdered uh he was a white kid mm-hmm. i don't know how many times they they you know the person or persons stabbed this uh, individual it was you know an ungodly amount of times mm-hmm. and uh just really uh you know i don't remember everything that they did to the body but it was brutal and in the end they they cut off his penis and put it in his mouth and you know he was found you know dead the, the next day just you know butchered with his uh you know his penis in his mouth at the high school and the funny thing was the night that that murder happened, there was me and four friends of mine. Uh, this was still back when we go out, we get a six pack, we'd go out, we drink, you know, and uh, we, we'd always look, we didn't go to bars, but we always look for little like isolated places to go mm-hmm. and just listen to our, you know, rock music and talk and drink our beer. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't uh, do anything destructive. And a couple times, we actually went up to uh, the parking lot of the Middletown High School, and it was right in the front where they found this kid. And we were driving by, you know, and uh, my one friend said, hey, well, you, you want to take the beer up to the, to the high school? And I was driving and I slowed down and I was going to turn and I said, nah, let, let's go further out and, and you know, kind of go back in the woods. And it literally turned out to be something like eight to ten minutes before that murder took place. So we would have actually been there to maybe prevent it, you know, inter, you know, intervene somehow. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I, I, I wish I had kind of listened to my first intuition to go up there because, you know, we, we probably could have saved someone. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the, the one friend that we hung out with, he was, he was a black belt. He was a, you know, he was actually visiting from the Bronx. He was the friend of a friend. Uh, very tough guy, you know, I was in, you know, much better shape, you know, I could, you know, fight like hell back then. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we could take care of ourselves, except for maybe mm-hmm. the one guy, he wasn't much of a threat, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, we possibly could have, uh, you know, seen who done this or stopped it because it was something like think that eight, 10 minutes before, you know, and I don't think they ever caught who, uh, who did that either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a funny thing when you when you bring up that very good story, uh, there's some stuff that people want to know or should want to know is who is most at risk for a serial killer. You know, if if, uh, when you start looking at the uh, the facts with this, it it might really surprise you with some of the things, you know, it might surprise people to learn that male and female victims are essentially split down the middle. Isn't that amazing? You think that most serial killings are men propagating this on women, uh, you know, uh, you know, exclusively or in the majority. But with the serial killers, it's really uh, it's split right down the middle with just a little slight increase, uh, you know, towards females. Uh, The funny thing is, as far as race is concerned, two thirds of serial killers victims were white. 
And African Americans were about the uh, about a quarter of all the other victims, and then you know some mixed racial groups in there. Serial killers prefer younger victims, so your odds of being murdered by a serial killer dramatically in, uh, decreases after you're 30 years of age. So hmm. that's a very interesting thing. So it's split evenly between men and women, uh, mostly two thirds that are white. And uh, the victims are generally, uh, you know, 30 and below, but younger victims are very popular. Now, very funny thing, in 2016, the majority of victims appeared to be women, but the demographics uh, were, were, you know, the, they varied very widely. I was doing some research on this, and it showed that there were homeless men, adults uh, meandering along bike paths, prostitutes, children, hospital patients, uh, kidnapped women, things like that. So, you know, when we have these uh, these cold case calls, these 411 things, mm-hmm. you have to wonder what some of these things, too. Uh, is there somebody laying in wait looking to shag somebody in those kinds of situations? Oh, I'm sure there are, and, and some of them definitely. Yeah. There was also another thing. Uh, well, what would you think of the motives for serial killing? Why would you think that, uh, you know, I'm sure like a lot of the, the fans out there, I'm asking a loaded question, but, uh, you know, I, I want the fans, out, you know, the people listening to the show to think about what would you think the, the victims are? Watch all these crazy movies where somebody wants revenge or something. But what do you think the real motives are for large numbers of these people? Honestly, I, I probably couldn't begin to tell you, you know, it always seems like they target the, uh, you know, the men it's, the women, the prostitutes. So I would say, you know, maybe uh, some mother issues or, you know, uh, some such thing. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be that would be about as far as I could go with it. Yeah. As far and, as and the, the motive. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it kind of stumped you because the motives vary. Believe it or not, about half the serial killers were also sex predators. Okay. So, I mean, most people that I don't find that, believe it or not. But although technically sexual sadists are not always driven by sexual desire. More often, it says here in the reports from people that the rape is about power and sometimes humiliation. But more than that, a lot of these killers, listen to this one, worked as nurses who killed patients that annoyed them. Wow. Or because they killed a patient because they loved them. They wanted to be a hero and they wanted to save them from a painful death or maybe going to a you know a terrible nursing home or some such thing, and they, they want it to be like godlike. And then some serial killers, they find when they look, you know, when they've interviewed them, the, the ones that they can, they murdered to avenge a parent's death, or they killed the homeless and prostitutes as a way to clean up society. You know, mm-hmm. the dregs of society. And uh, the author who did this, uh, I think it's Thomas Hargrove again, he, he puts in quotes, he says, hey, that's their words, not mine. So you have people uh, rationalizing in their head for doing these kind of heinous uh, kinds of things to other human beings. So it's, uh, it's, it's really fascinating. But what really fascinated me was the, uh, the one on the uh, nurses killing the patients. You know? Yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that was really creepy. You know? Would you have a guess as to which states might have the most active number of serial killers? Any guesses, Paul? 
I'm going to go with Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? Uh, you know, you're coming up there. You're coming up there. It's very close. The number one state is Oklahoma. Oh, hey, there you go. Yeah, and there they've had a total serial killings uh, in the 20th century of in the 20th century of 174 people killed in serial killings in Oklahoma, and then the next one is Utah, and that's where Ted Bundy came from. You know, so there's a lot of killing that goes out there, and then then the next one is going to really shock the shit out of you. Uh, Texas, in Texas. They've had a total of 793 serial killings. That's a lot. That's a lot. lot. You know, Louisiana's high up there. Oregon is high. The state of Washington and all the woods and stuff like that, when you you see all these things, uh, Robert Yates was a famous guy. He was, uh, you know, he was a famous and decorated U.S. Army National Guard helicopter pilot, the father of five people. He murdered at least 13 prostitutes there in Washington. They had 277. And bingo, the number one area, it's incredible. California. California weighs in with 1,507 serial killings wow is that massive yeah that's a crazy, lot crazy stuff and then uh, states that really surprised me you have like legalized prostitution in nevada they had a certain little tiny little state like nevada 98 serial killings and how about florida the place you want to go to retire since 1900 the fbi has documented 778 victims of serial killers and, and, they, I, and I, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, and I, I notice uh, a lot of these are the warmer states where they don't really have the cooler weather. Heat yeah, drives some, people yeah. to, to be mad. <laughs> you know, that's a very good, a very good point because you know more murders occur where it's hot than where it's cold. Yeah, yeah. So when you're in these hot, steamy climates and you get a you get a case of the festivities, man, you're going out there on these uh, hot evenings killing people. Florida is the one that amazed me. And they also talked about one of the most famous serial killers uh, in the 1990s was a guy called Daniel Howard Rowling. I've actually heard about this guy. He was called the Gainesville Ripper. And he murdered and mutilated five women in their apartments. And he would rape and stab the young women. And then he would uh, he would pose their corpses in suggestive positions, you know. Mm-hmm. And as the days rolled on, his uh, his M.O. evolved to cutting off the nipples of the young women and then even severing their heads. And he would position these things on a shelf and send pictures to the, uh, you know, to the sheriff and everything else like that uh, to kind of, uh, you know, to kind of spite him. Even in Alaska, that only has a small population. Would you believe it? They've had 51 serial killer right there. You know, Mm. crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. How many, how many serial killers do you you know? Or let me put it to you this way, Paul, do you know of any famous serial killers that are still out at large and haven't been caught? 
the one that comes to mind. Go ahead. The the one that really comes to mind for me was the uh, the Zodiac Killer. You got it. It's the number one. He's number one. He's on there and 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 uh, right in front of me, right here. I have one of his uh, Zodiac messages. Mm-hmm. It's all the different things, and he says, "Sorry, I haven't written, but I just washed my pen." And he's got his pen, and he's got all these uh, you know kinds of things. And he uh, he it says uh, he broke his silence November eleventh to boast in letters and cryptograms that he's mm-hmm. still around. Isn't that nice? And that was this past November? Uh, I don't have which November. It says November in here, but uh, it, this is this is the one on current serial killers. Uh, it says, here are the eight states that are still searching for dangerous serial killers on the loose. And this is from, uh, this is from uh, March, uh, actually 2019. So it must wow. be from, uh, this must be from, uh, you know, uh, this one particular article. Yeah, so it must be right around there. So he's still, but he's still sending, uh, he still has sent notes out. They're still looking for him uh, actively. Yeah, I, w- I would be so curious to, to see who this guy is. Mm-hmm. Or girl. Yeah, you never know. It could be a woman. Yeah, I guess the uh, in California, the uh, it's uh, they've also got the original Night Stalker and the Golden mm-hmm. State Killer, and the uh, they used to call him the East Area Rapist. This this killer raped forty five victims and killed twelve between twelve people between nineteen seventy six and nineteen eighty six, and it was burglaries uh, preceded by clusters of sexual assaults. His victims were from thirteen to forty one, still still around. Still sends uh, cryptic messages uh, to the LAPD. It says, and they halted uh, abruptly in 1974. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, one of the ones that you were talking about was the Long Island seri- serial killer. That's the one yes. that leaves them on the beach. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, and most of the victims were wrapped in sacks along Long Island's south shore. In Gilgo Beach, and uh, you know these were these were supposedly uh, prostitutes, uh, you know, peddling services on Craigslist, of all the things. Oh boy! So the Long Island serial killer, he's also known as the Gilgo Beach killer, and also the Craigslist Ripper. So nobody knows what he looks like, uh, none of those things. They've also got a killer in Louisiana that uh, is still out there doing things. Uh, you know, they've got killers in Michigan, the Oakland County child killer. And they've even got new, uh, you know, DNA evidence on this guy. So they've got killers that the Colonial Parkway killer is still there in Pennsylvania, close to where we live. They have a guy called the Frankfurt Slasher. Hmm. So there's shitloads of them out there. The one thing that I didn't know was the uh, the, the 1980s were the biggest biggest period for serial killers, and I have no idea why. Uh, some people seem to think uh, it had to do with um, the feminist movement in the 60s, 70s, and culminating in the 80s. Mm-hmm. 
That, that doesn't surprise me because everybody, it seemed like everywhere you went in the 80s, particularly those uh, those mid-letter, so many people were obsessed with serial killers. I'd never mm-hmm. seen anything like it. It's like anybody that you would talk to, you know, whether they were friends, whether they were people you would just meet randomly, you know, it, it was all started with, you know, Jack the Ripper, then it was this one and that one. You know, that there were so many people that were actually just obsessed with with serial killers. So who, who knows? Maybe some of these uh, obsessive fans, I guess you could call them, were, were trying to be, uh, you know, copycats or emulate mm-hmm. their heroes type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I had fun uh, looking up. They actually have several identified serial killer lists from the United States with proven victims, the person's name as best as we, you know, as, as they were known, and the years that they were active. And uh, in this country, it goes all the way back to 1797. Mm. And if would you like me to tell you a few of the people that you might not be aware of who were serial killers and what their numbers were? Yeah. Would it, would it interest it, you? It, 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 it was fascinating. One was a guy called Samuel Mason. And he was a river pirate, and he used to uh, he used to just grab people on the river and kill them. And uh, yeah, he had twenty victims, and then uh, he would kill them with this with these brothers called the Harp Brothers, and they would kidnap slaves and free blacks, uh, you know, to either sell themselves or torture them just because they were slaves. And they killed over, I guess, eighty nine people, mm. uh, and then. This guy, now this guy I've heard of before, there was a guy called John Johnson. And the only year that they've got active for him was 1843 that they know about. He was known as Liver Eating Johnson. And he was a mountain man in 1843. And he allegedly ate the livers of the Crow Indians he he killed. Now, John Johnson, I wonder if that's almost like the Jeremiah Johnson kind of a thing. I'm not quite sure, but he was known as Liver Eating Johnson. So can you imagine that? There was uh, going up here, if you don't mind me just skipping, because some of the the numbers were crazy. Um, There was a a guy called Johann Otto Hock, and he was the the most famous uh, German-born murderer and bigamist in our country at the time. And he committed over 50 killings, and he was known as the Stockyard Bluebeard. He was mm. uh, he, w- he would romance women and then kill them. You know, so uh, crazy stuff like that. But there was also a guy called Billy Gold. He was a union official, and he lived uh, in Washington in the early 20th century. And he would. Uh, Work with uh, you, you know the sailors in the in the um, sailors union that they would have, and he killed over a hundred people. Now this doesn't talk about people like uh, you know this also has people like Ted Bundy on the list and everything else like that, but some of the crazy people that they have in here have killed 114 people. Uh, here's another person, uh, uh, the guy that you see, the Ice Man that uh, you see on Netflix all the time. Uh, you, I've seen his interview. He uh, was born in uh, 1948 and uh, died in 1986. He died in prison. You can watch the show on him on Netflix. He killed 150 people. 
Uh, could you imagine? No, that's why I'm, 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 that's why I appreciate people uh, sitting there and indulging me on this. The numbers were stunning on some of these people. Uh, a guy called uh, Patrick Kearney in the 70s, he was known as the trash bag killer. He killed 43 people. Oh. 43 people. Uh, then the butcher of Times Square, the torso killer, the New York City Ripper and the Times Square Torso Ripper from the 1980s, he killed 85 to 100 people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And there's more and more and more on there. There's uh, people who were the zebra murders, the death angels, the Southland stranglers, uh, the West Side rapists. Uh, there was also a guy called uh, John. Oh, John Wayne Gacy. Of course, I'm looking at him. The killer clown. He mm-hmm. killed 33 people. Then you had another guy, Adolf Laudenberg, same year, 1975. He was known as the Santa Strangler. <laughs> and then if that doesn't get if that doesn't get you, you, how many of you guys like to sit there and uh, on Sunday morning read the papers, or you used to be years ago, or? Maybe you binge watch something, have a nice cup of coffee in bed. Don't do that with a guy called Carl Eugene Watts because he killed 100 people and he was known as the Sunday morning slasher. (laughs) Oh, boy. Crazy, crazy, crazy stuff, you know? So there's a lot of crazy, uh, there's a lot of crazy people out there. There's a lot of crazy serial killers still at live. You know, like we said, the Long Island serial killer, the Jeff Davis eight killers, the West Mesa bone collector. That was the one in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I knew I'd find it for you. There you go. So it's a lot of wild stuff. Now, these are only the ones in the United States. Where do you see the statistics around the world? It'll make your friggin' hair stand on end. So. Is the coronavirus the only thing out there threatening us? Not really. Maybe some of these people had the coronavirus. <laughs> I don't know, Paul. I don't know. You know, there's there's one last thing that uh, that, that at least that I had that I that I didn't put in here. They have um, they have unidentified serial killers, and these are people they never caught. They have people like the Atlanta Ripper, the Axeman of New Orleans, the Boston Strangler. Charlie Chopoff was a guy who, he was a mental patient that they think. And he would chop off body parts, the Cincinnati Strangler, the Daytona Beach Killer. Man, it just goes on and on and on. Now, do you think you could do that uh, full-time, Paul, like work for the police or work as a forensics person, do that kind of stuff? Yeah, I, I think it would be something that I would be interested in doing if I had the the training and the know-how to try to, you know, put clues together to find out who some of these people are. I, I could definitely uh, be very interested in that. I used to find, uh, I used to find the forensics work in... Um, in psychology, very depressing. I didn't like it at all. That's why I ask you. 
on that one. I, I didn't care for it at all. It was very, very dark. You know? Yeah, the, the, there is there is that side of it. You know, if you got to go look at the bodies and yeah, mm -hmm. that would be kind of disturbing. I think so. I think so. Well, Paul, do you have any closing thoughts on serial killers? Well, We're about 40 you know, some odd minutes into the show here. I'm, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I wanted to, the, the point for me is to, I wanted to let people know so there's a lot of serial killers out there. They're alive and well. They're looking to get you, folks. The spooky stuff is out there, even though it's been on the decline. For now. <laughs> yeah, for now. You never know when they'll rear their uh, ugly heads again. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, my closing thought would be just as I said in the beginning, I, I would I would be very careful with people yeah. uh, these days, especially if I was a young person out there trying to date and, you know, meet different people. Because, man, if, if we don't live in a, you know, sociopathic society in this day and age, uh, you know, uh, who knows what people are, are, are capable of. And, and, and you see people get so angry over the littlest of things and they'll beat one another up, you know, as we've talked about before over their, uh, you know, political differences or because they support one candidate and the other, you know, doesn't, you know, so, you know, Lord knows what, what will set people off and what they would be capable of. I, I'd be very, uh, I'd be very careful if I was a young person because it doesn't seem like it's the safest world uh, that we live in, in this day and age. Mm-hmm. That's my parting words of semi-wisdom to the listening audience. I do know one thing that I didn't add in the show is when people, um, when people become serial killers or when people kill, many times they go through practice runs. They start stalking somebody. They'll go to their house. They'll peek in the window. You know what I'm trying to say? They practice the abduction mm -hmm. and they practice the act. So if you're out there, folks, I'm being really serious. If you see anybody doing anything like that, or there's some kind of inkling, it, yeah, I would take it seriously because when I can, forensic psychiatrist, I can remember seeing several shows on and reading several times that when somebody takes that step, they cross that boundary to actually like follow somebody home and they've got their rope and handcuffs and their knife and they've got their plan, they're pretty much set. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when they're going to do that. So uh, that uh, or if you're feeling that way and I'm being very serious, it's like, you know, when somebody wants to steal or, you know, do something bad or maybe you're going to you know just do something that goes against your principles. Uh, you know, people will mentally rehearse things uh, like that. And when you when you hit a certain point, uh, you know, you will go act on it. I think another reason the serial killers have, have been down and it says 1980s was the uh, the time. Uh, that it was most prevalent. I think that's when all the uh, changes in power and money and power exchanges and things became much looser. And I think the killings are down now because uh, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of pornography is so available in so many ways and in so many formats and as well as uh, sexual, uh, you know, like prostitution being legal or accessible or sexual surrogates. Uh, in so many different ways, I think that the, um, you know, frustrated, uh, you know, people that go out and act out and murder situations don't really have to do that as much anymore. Mm -hmm. 
they have other uh, avenues to to get relief from. You know, things that you wouldn't have years ago. I mean, well, well, that is a real comfort to the audience, Dan. <laughs> well, yeah, pornography is one of the it's one of the biggest uh, it's one of the biggest industries going. It's a billion billion dollar in industry, and I mean, the stuff on that isn't you know like it was years ago. It's uh, extremely violent, and anything you can think of, you know, it's out there. So that that helps diffuse some of those unmet needs with people, I think. But anyway, Paul, uh, I don't know about you, but I enjoyed doing this show. I thought it was very interesting, and uh, I hope the fans do. And, and we're going to have uh, an interesting next show next time. I think a new feature that we're going to be doing on this show, uh, where uh, once a week we're going to take some stuff from the tarot and review it and meditate on it and talk about it and, and uh, have a really nice time with that does that sound about right paul it does it'll be certainly more uplifting than the 2000 plus serial killers among us the murderers among us well paul do you have any shows or any events that you or anything that you would like to plug here at the end of the show well at the risk of sounding redundant uh, i have the spirit side I have uh, another show that just came out. It's called The Message. There's a, a, an episode on there that's still doing really well that I did about uh, Chad. Uh, what the heck is his name? Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow and the cultic mentality. Uh, people are listening to that one just like left and right. And, uh, you know, that's about it. You know, you want to listen to the shows if you're a little more into the uh, – uh, peculiar or the conspiratorial that I dig into once in a while, you know, I, or, or the spiritual, I have my shows out there. If you'd like to contact me, be a guest on my show, have a question to say, Hey, who is this guy? What's he about? Uh, you know, what's his favorite color? You could email me at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. Well, that sounds cool. And, and if you'd like, Check out my other show. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the show, Just Thinking with Stan Wenger. It's on all the major platforms. Uh, like this show, it's doing quite well with the ratings. People seem to love the show. We have topics that range from anything to everything. Political, things that have to do with sports, things that are events happening all over the world, things of interest, things that we all think about. And if you want to reach me uh, to discuss something on the show or, you know, rate and review the show or have your comments or a suggestion, you can get a hold of me, Stan Wang, S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D at gmail.com. So with that, I think I'm going to say so long to everybody, and we will catch you in a very few days with our next show. Thank you for listening to this episode of The People Under the Stairs. If you would like to reach out to the host of this show, please feel free to email Paul at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. That's nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. And if you would like to reach out to Stan, please feel free to go over to his Twitter page and give him a follow at S. Wanglin. That's at S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D. Or feel free to email him at swangland at gmail.com.
That's at swanglin at gmail.com. And please continue to check out all the new episodes of The People Under the Stairs every Wednesday and every Sunday on the Reality Check Podcast Network. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Did you really think it was just guys that like to discuss and analyze wrestling? I'm here to tell you there's a new chick in town. My name is Sunny Salem, and I am the host of That's What She Said. Get a female perspective of all the ins and outs of the wrestling business today. But don't worry, this isn't no prissy princess show. I hold nothing back. Check out That's What She Said on all major streaming platforms.